Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Washington football team nation, what is going on? I got my man Todd here, Nate Coleman, uh, pre, I guess, post Matt Stafford fail. <laughs> Guys, how y'all feeling? Doing, doing great. Man, I can't stop talking about Matthew Stafford. I feel like I, we could talk about him the entire offseason. So I'm kind of glad the trade is in the books. I'm sad it didn't go our way, but uh, it's time to move on. Yeah, I agree. I at least I if nothing else, I'm glad that we that's one thing we can check off the list. I, I'm, I'm right. tired of all the options that we come up with <laughs> still being options that are in our head. So I'm nice for at least even if we didn't get him, it's off the list. So boom, uh, Tay, I'm gonna come right back to you. Well, you know, first of all, how are you doing, Tay? I'm doing well. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping we got Stafford, but um just seeing that we were in the fight gives me confidence that they're trying to turn this around quick. So I'm doing well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's uh, hopefully the snowy weather doesn't slow down any deals. Yeah, right. <laughs> of course it will not. Um, we've got the press conference for the introduction of Marty Herney and uh, Martin Mayhew coming on Wednesday. That's exclusive brought to you by the Tay and Todd podcast. So <laughs> the only place you're going to get it is here. <laughs> I wish. Um, but as always, these episodes are brought to you by Hot Chicken Kitchen. Check them out. Uh, Nate, if you were here, we would have, you know, had you have some by now. If you ever make it over oh. to the East Coast, or they might make it to where you are before you make it here, but you're going to love it when you get a chance. Yeah, I'm hoping their chain expands out here. Uh, I'll invest. If you guys can lay the you know, <laughs> grassroots there, I will invest in it if hey, I get hey. free food. Um, but okay. yeah, I plan on, I'm going to the uh, season opener next year, pending the pandemic and everything. So uh, yeah, I'll have to make my way over there for sure. Yeah, definitely. I promise you we're not exaggerating. We say that every time, but it's, it's very good. Um, so, all right, let's first things first. So Nate's going to bring us some senior bowl talk because as much as the quarterback discussion is just like, it's, it's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, you know, but we're going to have some snacks in between, you know, like draft stuff and free agent stuff, the other stuff that matters. So Nate's going to bring us some senior bowl talk. But before that, let's let's just have our lunch. Let's talk about the quarterback situation <laughs> and the major domino. Matthew Stafford, of course, to the Rams. That was plan A, clearly, like I thought it would be. Uh, Tay, uh, knowing that we were close and we and it didn't work out, does that make you feel worse? Um, God, I, I guess I'm fifty fifty. Uh, do, you do believe that's plan? That was plan A. I believe that that wasn't the well. Yeah, I think that was plan A, and in veteran in general is still plan A. Okay, so you you don't think it's one A one? You know, I think it is kind of one A one B. Yeah. So who or would be one A two A? Yeah, so it would be 2A, you say, you think Watson? I feel like he's like two question mark because, okay. like, it's such an unsure thing. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, I'm about 50-50 on that. You know, I would have loved to have Stafford, but obviously in, he wanted to be in L.A., so um, they made it happen and, and hats off to him. But the fact that it showed me that they were willing to part with that first and willing to give up something additional like that third shows me that Ron is really serious about, um, he's trying to win now. It's it's no wait and rebuild. No, let's win now. We have a window. Let's win now. So I was, I was, I was good with just seeing that we were runners up, runner up in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Nate, same, you feeling the same way or? Yeah, I, I would say the big thing with, with any fan base is you have to have some level of empathy. And what I mean by that is like you have to think about this from the point of view of, of the player and the organization. 
right. Matthew Stafford is he's when he's thinking about teams, he's thinking about a smart offensive play caller. He's thinking about a well-established franchise, a, mm. a, a place he can nice go to weather. win in. Yeah, nice weather, you know, for his wife and everything. But uh, he, he wants to go to a place where he can win right away. And and right. I, I hate to tell it to you, but, but like Washington doesn't have that reputation yet. And oh, yeah. they don't no. exactly have the, you know, infrastructure in place for to really support something like that. So you're going to have to pay the Ashburn price, as they say. You're going to have to pay a little bit more. And it, it just wasn't going to work out. I think we might have been maybe like fifth or sixth on his wish list, something yeah. like that. But uh, probably it's okay. At least you know we're being aggressive in our part and doing d- due diligence. Yeah, and it's – I mean, it's like you said. For one, the Lions were not going to send him – or they were going to look out for him as much as they could. And then the Rams, I think it was kind of perfect because you had Holmes who just took over as general manager for the Lions, right, who also drafted Jared mm-hmm. Goff. And – I get the impression that the Lions wanted Goff. Like, getting two picks and Goff was really exciting for them because they feel like they got a quarterback for at least now on top of two picks. And then you had – I don't know if you all saw that McVay and Stafford happened to just run into each other in Cabo last week. Yeah, okay. Just happened. (laughs) What happened was Matthew Stafford was in Cabo. Sean McVay heard Matthew Stafford was in Cabo. So Sean McVay went to Cabo and ran into Matthew Stafford. I guarantee you that's what happened. But also, I'm not entirely convinced that if the Rams hadn't swooped in that it would have been Washington all the way because the Panthers were apparently offering the eighth overall pick. And – that also, I mean, that's that would have definitely allowed the Lions to, uh, if they needed to make a move easily, you know, to get a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or, or, or Trey Lance. So, yeah, it's all good. And if you want to look bright side, Matthew Stafford, he is 33. He, you know, you would have to give him a big contract, which, you know, can concern you if you say he's older and injury and the bad experiences. Now, I'm not saying that I feel this way, but if you want to think of some positives, then we'll go there. So that was plan A or 1A. Nate, what is plan 2A? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go in one direction. I think you have to leave every stone unturned. Um, There's a lot of options you have to explore. But I mean, for me, like I think Watson is unrealistic, both in terms of the compensation it would take and also just like he's not going to sign off to go here why why would he why why would you sign off to go here like you 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 want to go somewhere where you think you have like a a high chance of winning right away and i'm not sure he feels that way about washington football i mean we can make the elevator pitch and everything and hope it works out but i'm just not sure it's uh appetizing for watson on his perspective since he has a no trade clause but yeah i explore every option obviously uh trading up in the draft is very interesting a few dominoes would have to fall for that to happen i mean you'd have to look at the falcons not drafting a quarterback uh, maybe a the, the, the Panthers potentially moving back or the Bengals moving back or something like that. Uh, and then also the big question is like, will the Lions draft a quarterback now that they traded for Jared Goff? And I don't think we know the answer to that. I, I see Goff as more of, as more of a bridge quarterback, but I don't know if the Lions are like that sharp. Like they might see him as the answer for the immediate future. I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's hard. It's hard to say. So I, I'd be interested to trade up though. I mean, people are like, why would you want the quarterback three or quarterback four? Uh, and, and the answer to that is like the quarterback three or the quarterback four in this class are just as good as the quarterback one and two in a lot of other classes. So, yeah. I mean, th- this is an excellent quarterback class. And on top of that, the class next year is, is not that good right now. You're, you're talking about a, a lower end quarterback class. So, I mean, this is a good opportunity to, to pay up and, and make a, make a move. But the, I guess the real question is like, how much would it cost to move up and who's your partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that one thing you said that I meant to point out a moment ago is, as you know, as I don't know what the word is, excited or hopeful as we are about the potential future of this team, they did just go seven and nine last year. Like they did win the division, but they also were only seven and nine. And so they may they they are slightly trending upwards and can make certain offseason moves and decisions to continue to climb. But on the outside looking in, I don't you know, it's still not a place where you say I go there and I feel we're contending immediately. Um, Tay, 2A. Uh, I got a couple questions before. Do you? Fire. Um, okay, I remember mentioning this to someone, and I said, okay, say if we strike out plan A, we strike out plan B, we strike out plan C, we strike out plan D, and we end up with plan E. Do you sacrifice and go for plan E 
or do you wait till next year and try to go all in for plan A? And the reason why I say that is because I would rather have plan A next year if we're continuing to build this year. So say if we have a stopgap guy that can get us, I mean, someone average. I mean, all we needed last year was average quarterback play. And I believe we could have won two or three more games. Do you build the rest of your roster in hopes of saying, all right, okay, we struck out this year. We don't want to necessarily go for plan E. Let's just build the team. Let's get some weapons. And then next year we can put a guy in there, bow right in there and, and, and let them, and let them thrive. So that's what I struggle with, you know, because I don't want to settle for like a Mariota or not saying, you know, or a Winston or, I mean, you know, and, 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 and Nate is right with the, with, yeah. the, with the, with the Watson situation. We're, we're going to give up way too much for, for that guy. I mean, I don't think it's feasible. And although I would love to have him, I just don't think it's feasible. Also plant, 2A, maybe do you go, I mean, you pray and hope that Prescott, I that's, doubt that's it. A, that's huge. That's two questions. That's three question mark to me. That's that's right next to Deshaun Watson. To you me. know, so that's what I'm saying. Th- those are the only two for me personally. See, the thing about next year for me is that that's just even more of a question mark. Like <laughs> right. plan A next year doesn't even exist right now. Right, right. You'd be just – You'd be just watch walking into it, you know, with like a blindfold on, saying we just hope again. Well, and I, well, it, what mm-hmm. I'm saying is that there won't be as many. I'm assuming there won't be as many quarterback needy teams next year than there will be. Than there I mean, are yeah, teams. this year is this year feels like the stars just aligned. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like every everything just all came to a head with the retirements, with teams just having declarative stances on their current quarterbacks, with teams not having quarterbacks. It's like you look at other drafts and you have a lot of teams that could go quarterback, but don't because they're not out on a guy yet or because a guy didn't retire and isn't retiring yet. But this year there's so many retirements. There's so many, we know this is not the guy. It just all, it's just all like the stars aligned. So I think next year, yeah, there will be less, but also I feel like less year next year, there will be less options. I mean, and, and, but again, who knows? Cause it's just, it's a big question mark. I think that that is just – that's like you failed this offseason. Nate, I mean, I don't, you can talk about how you feel on it, but that's yeah, – it, it yeah. comes down to a, a building philosophy. How do you want to build your team? And I think what, what Tay was saying is you can put the infrastructure in place and com, uh, continue to insulate the roster with talent because – they have a ton of holes. It's not like we just have one hole and we're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Right. Um, so you can definitely punt this year on quarterback, you know, take a stopgap option uh, and you might be okay. You might still be able to win like eight games or seven games or something like that. But, uh, and then it comes back to next, eventually you're going to have to put your chips all in though on a yeah. quarterback because yeah, if you, you win seven games or eight games, you're never going to be in contention right. to get that top quarterback. And I know like fans hate to hear about losing or something, but sometimes like, I don't know, tanking is a little bit viable. If you can, uh, appreciate enough assets where you can put all your chips in later down the road and, and buy a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. just what the dolphins are doing right now. And that's kind of what the Browns did as well. So, I mean, it's, it's viable. It just depends how you go about it. But uh, personally, my, my philosophy is like, I would like to insulate the roster with offensive like weapons. Like that's, that's my biggest focus right now. And, and we can go from there. Well, once you have that roster in place, you can kind of find like a, like a Dak Prescott or mm-hmm. something like that and just go from there. Obviously it's, it's hard to hit on a fourth round pick like Dak. Like he's, oh, yeah. once, he's once in generation. One in, 20, that, <laughs> one in 20. Yeah, years. totally. I think that's what people don't understand about quarterbacks too, is we always think of uh, the outliers, the, the best case yeah. scenarios, right? The it's like, Hey, possible. Yeah, it's like, hey, if we trade for Sam Darnold, well, guess who his coach is? And guess who Ryan Tannehill's <laughs> coach used to be? Right. Well, guess what? There, for every Ryan Tannehill, there's like a hundred other first round quarterbacks who switch teams and still sucked. Yeah. Right, you know? right, so, right. So you really are just like talking about like a 95th percentile outcome and expecting that to happen when you trade for a guy like Darnold or whatever, you know, whatever option you guys are looking at. That, that's how it's going to be. Yeah. And I've, this is, I plan, there's, first of all, there's plenty of time in the off season. So this is why I haven't done this yet. I've got a list of things, but one of them is to kind of debunk the, the idea that you can just so easily find a quarterback outside of the first round. And then also that the developmental quarterback who comes in and sits for a few years from the second to seventh round 
comes in and sits and then and then ends up starting and playing very well that that almost doesn't exist. And then I mean, you look at the all quarterbacks coming to the NFL via the draft, right? Like we're not got, we're not taking guys from European leagues, you know, like they all come in through the draft. The the first round is less than 50% hit rate alone. Like the first round already is is not a high hit rate. Yep. Once you hit 2 through 7, it's it's lower than the first round com- like combined. Like it's the, we're talking about true franchise quarterbacks, right? We're not talking about an Andy Dalton who starts for four years. We're talking about a true bona fide franchise quarterback. So, I mean, for me, they all come in through the draft. And Nick, you uh, not Nick. I'm sorry, Nate. You said no one likes to you know lose or take. No one ever wants to do what it takes to get a quarterback. They don't want to lose to get one. They don't want to trade away picks to get one. They don't want to pay big money to get one. Mm-hmm. No one ever wants to do that except the only thing they want to do is find Dak Prescott in the fourth round or Russell Wilson in the <laughs> third. And those are the least likely scenarios. Dak and Russell Wilson are the two. They are, they are the ones that have been found in the third and fourth round that have played at their level. It's just them. So, I mean, for me, 2A at this point is just is the draft, is looking at at all the teams in the top 10 and really the top seven and calling all of them. And, and I mean, you have backup plans before then, you know, and, and I think that the, the best worst case scenario is you end up with uh, like a Derek Carr, you know, who I think is the best possible bridge type of player. I think he's, I think he's better than what we've had around here even, but other than that, I mean, there, you don't really have any other options, but to go into the draft and to look to trade up. And if you're not able to trade up, then you don't have any options this year. That's just it. I, the, I, the Washington is going to have a new starting quarterback next year, but it doesn't guarantee like that they will be a much better team depending on who it is. And I just don't see a reason to wait around on quarterback or settle for quarterback because we're not willing to wait around or settle for any other positions. Yeah, and I would say real quick, some <clears throat> – Something that's brewing that I think about is there's certain play callers in the league that they can mask the deficiencies of quarterback in a lot of ways, you know, like Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or even Andy Reid, like when he had Alex Smith. Um, So I'm wondering if, if Scott Turner could, uh, obviously he has a, he has a ton of work to do, but I'm wondering if one day he could, he could be someone like that because you did see when, when Kyle Allen went in there, he played really well. He led the league in completion percentage. He, he, he put up some good numbers. And then the same thing with Heineke too. Like he, he just needs base level quarterback play. The Mm -hmm. the guys are getting open. He, he calls a pretty good game. Honestly, like Mm -hmm. if you go back, I went back and watched all the games from last year and even the first few games with Dwayne, like go back and watch the Browns game and watch how the receivers constantly got open and how he developed right. play calls and he had a rhythm going and, and Dwayne just kept throwing it all away. Um, but, but like maybe, maybe Turner can turn <laughs> into that guy and then, and then quarterback, obviously you need a quarterback, but it's something you can put on the back burner to just acquiring help. talent around him. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about this year is, is when we talk about what to do this year, it's not that if, even if Kyle Allen had to start all season or if, if Taylor Heineke, who was, he was more of a question mark, we've got a lot more intel on, on Allen. It's not that you couldn't win seven games or, or nine games because I'm not convinced that that's not possible, right? Like, I think it is sure. possible, but it's, it's is it, you know, if you make it to the playoffs, then it, how is he going to perform up against, you know, the best of the best? And then what about the year after that? Like oh, this yeah. year – like the, like the short-term potential for quarterback, yeah. If we're talking short-term, then yeah, no problem. I think we could find someone who could, you know, get us to nine, maybe best case, ten wins, maybe. But it's it's that, you know, it's that guy who, who stops all the questions. Man, that's the one that we're always in pursuit of and, and that are so hard to find. Uh, I, I posed the question, uh, uh, Nate, and I, want, and I want you to answer it. Or actually, I want both of you to Well. Tay, you can if you want to. I kind of know how you feel, but I know you're not big on anybody outside of the top four, and I'm not big on anybody outside of the top four either. Now, I don't hate uh, like Mac Jones, how people have, you know, some people really seem to hate him. I don't hate him. I, I'll wait to watch him play. I know he has his limitations, and, and I'm more of a, a athletic quarterback kind of guy myself, but say if at, at 19 they traded back to like 27 and got a third from it and then at 27 they took mac jones and then they've got a two and three threes where you can get your influx of offensive talent 
Nate, what is your reaction draft night to that? Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm going to surprise you. I, I like that a lot. Um, here, oh, wow. Here's okay. the thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. With with Mac Jones, either people are way too high on him, and that that's mostly like the mainstream media, like draft community. Like you're talking like Mel Kiper, and, and I don't want to make fun of Mel Kiper because like if you look at me right now, my hair kind of looks like Mel Kiper. I could be like <laughs> Mel Kiper Jr. Except I'm not talented. Uh, but uh, you got to anyway, talk like, like him. You got to talk like him. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, six foot five, Trevor Lawrence. Blah, blah, yeah, you know, I, I could actually do that. But uh, anyway, so so what I'm saying is like the draft community is either super high in Mac Jones. They're they're Daniel J- Jeremiah is comparing him to uh, Tom Brady during the game. You know, like you're just crazy <laughs> anecdotal cliche nonsense. Right. Right. Or you have fans here who are dogging on him because what he was a rock solid, amazing quarterback <laughs> during his time. Seventy-seven percent of his passes. <laughs> I mean, he had a worse situation than Tua Hurts, right? Right. Both of those guys play with four first-round receivers at the same time. All right. all that he had, all that Mac Jones had, was was Devon Smith and Najee Harris and a good offensive line. Waddle was hurt most of the year. Their third and fourth receivers weren't good. They didn't really use their tight ends. He had the hardest situation to play with. Plus, he doesn't have that mobility to escape pressure or anything like that. And he still just lit the world on fire. So I, I think he is more right. ready to play in the pros than Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Zach Wilson. Um, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, it's not, it's not crazy. And he is going to go in the first round. Mark my words that that is what I'm hearing from not that I have any insider information, but just, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of articles. Like I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah. And he's going to go in the first round. It's just a question of where. Um, so, so it's not crazy yeah. that, that he could come in like, and, and the other thing is there's this over fascination with mobile quarterbacks, right? It's gotten too far. Like you don't have to have a mobile quarterback. You have to have someone who can buy time in the pocket, yeah. who can step up, who has pocket awareness. Mac Jones can do all those things. Um, to be honest, he's, he's good at that. Yeah. He can't run. Like he's not going to be Michael Vick, obviously, but, <laughs> but like you have guys who are successful that way. I mean, Philip Rivers is successful that way. Drew Brees, Tom Brady. There's so many of them. And, and the other thing with mobile quarterbacks is once their mobility is sapped and they can't throw the ball, that's something like Cam Newton. I mean, their career goes in the tank. So you want a guy who can maybe do both. That's why, that's why we like Watson so much. I mean, he is just like the amalgamation of everything you want in a franchise quarterback, like from, from top to bottom. That's why he's, that's why he costs so much, but that's what you're looking for. But <laughs> That's hard to find, man. And Nate, Nate, what do you, what do you think about um, as far as Mac Jones compared to, give you two two options compared to yeah. Tua and Hertz. And then on top of that, do you think he would have been drafted before Hurt before sorry, before Tua last year with these stats, the stats that he had this year? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, so so Tua and Hertz are always gonna have well, first of all, like like Tua is a uh, both of them are better prospects than Hertz. I don't think Hertz is a very good passer and I think the league will figure him out. Like I don't I don't see him winning the job next year in Philly. Oh, in part because they don't want him to, unfortunately. Like, I really like the guy. He's fun to watch. He seems like a great guy also. Um, but but I, I think if you had to rank them, I, I think Tua, just because he has that dual threat ability and he was really good at a young age, I think Tua has that edge, but it's really hard to isolate uh, the talent from the situation. And that, that's what we have to do when we evaluate quarterback. But, I mean, Mac Jones, like, he passes everything. There's really no threshold statistically or the eye test that he doesn't pass. It's just people don't like him because he's older. And and, and there's also a bias just, like, the way he looks. Like, oh, he's kind of tubby, mm-hmm. ha-ha. But I mean, I, I hate his upper body. I hate the way his upper body looks. <laughs> oh, yeah. It looks weird. He looks like a like a long snapper or something. I don't – he doesn't look like a quarterback. But, he, he doesn't. I mean, all he's done is play well, though. And, it, and it, like, you couldn't tell me that, like, him playing in our system when we add a few more playmakers, you couldn't tell me that he wouldn't be an upgrade from Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins or oh, any of those guys, really. Yeah. And that's the thing about um, – oh, sorry, Tay, go ahead. So, so would you – Okay, so say if on draft night we trade up, uh, say if we trade up to five, just theoretically speaking. Yep. Um, Lance is on the board, yep. and uh, what's Ohio State? Uh, Fields. 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 I can lose them. Fields on the on the board, but we trade up and we select Mac Jones, proving the history of Mayhu <laughs> of Mayhu and Herney' ability to draft franchise quarterbacks. How would you feel? Uh, Oh, I'd be, I'd be 
I'd probably throw the TV or something. You know those videos you see of like crazy fans like breaking their TV? <laughs> yeah. That's what I would do. You'd be in the market. The You'd reason be behind that is day. like, it, yeah, exactly. I'll hit Best Buy later. I won't tell my wife about it. It'll be okay. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, hey, the big thing there is like, there's no need to draft him that high because I don't think he'll get drafted in the top 10. And, and yeah, in that no, instance, yeah, it's all. It's all about opportunity cost. If you draft Mac Jones, you're giving up the ceiling of Trey Lance and Justin Fields. And by the way, Justin Fields, I know the draft community, some people are, are souring on him. I've, I've heard people say he's the quarterback four, and I think that's interesting. I'd have him as the quarterback two, and I, don't, I, 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 don't, I feel really comfortable with that. I mean, if you look at Justin Fields, you look at his numbers, they're almost identical to another guy who's going number one overall. Trevor Lawrence and him have basically the same numbers and all the excuses you can make for Justin Fields. You can make for Trevor Lawrence, you know, Trevor Lawrence last year when he was a sophomore, just like Justin Fields, he struggled a lot. There were a few games where if you look at it, like he was bad. I mean, and that's going to happen. You gotta, you gotta overcome that adversity and, and evolve from that. But Justin Fields, like I, I don't understand the knocks on him other than the Ohio state quarterback stigma, which is, which is stupid. It's totally unfounded. It's just like surface level analysis. If you go back and look at the history of Ohio state quarterbacks, most of them weren't highly touted like round one prospects. Most of them were just athletes who played no. quarterback that weren't drafted yeah. that highly. So, I right, mean, right, obviously right. low hanging fruit, Dwayne is there. I get, I get that didn't work out, but uh, there's really not that many examples of, of them just flaming out that have been taken that early. Yeah. Um, I agree with what you said, Nate, where you wouldn't, I don't think Mac Jones is going that high. So if you trade it up for him, it's like, we gave all this up and we probably could have got him at 19. I think at that point it'd be less about the player and more about the value. Um, but yeah, a lot of what I see with people talk about Mac Jones is I, I, I feel like when people talk about Trevor Lawrence or Wilson or Lance or fields, I mean, the fact that Trey Lance is being talked about, not being talked about, but is, is going to be probably a top 10 pick. Um, having played one year at the FCS level and granted it was very good, but it's, it's kind of crazy. You look a few years ago and, and is that happening, you know, but, uh, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to go there, but then you have Mac Jones who played at the SEC level. And it just feels like with the top four guys, any negatives, you know, lots of people will just try to excuse them or find ways to excuse them, which is, you know, makes sense, different things. And with Mac Jones, it's his positives that people will try to say, Oh, well, but this, oh, well, we, he had great weapons. Oh, but he's on Alabama. Oh, but, you know, and I'm just saying, I think that the evaluation, like you said, uh, Nate, is somewhere in the middle. I am, I'm not, like I said, everyone loves athleticism, but I care a lot more about the mental aspect of it. And by all accounts, like mentally, he's got it all. He, he's, he's able to process quickly. He's able to learn quickly. And then he's able to deliver the ball accurately. And, Dwayne Haskins and and um, and uh, what's his name? Mac Jones may both be more pocket passers, but Dwayne clearly mentally did not get it, was not able to process quickly and not deliver the ball accurately. So that there's no comparison there. If you're going to be oh, a pocket yeah, passer, you have pocket passers have to make up for their lack of athleticism with their ability to process faster. The guys who who don't can sometimes get away with it. They can just extend the play. And then the best ones are the ones who can do both. Right. So I'm just saying if, if a Mac Jones can come out and he can pick up the offense quickly and then he can get the ball out quickly and he can get it out accurately, then that's essentially what a quarterback is. So I like I just like the mental aspect. I'm very intrigued by what he offers because it seems like, like you said, day one ready. I think he will be the most day one ready. It's just, will he be able to hit that ceiling? Those other guys have and probably not. I'm just, I think Washington fans should just start getting on board with the possibility of him being drafted by Washington. And I'm not saying he will, but I think that just if, if it happens, just don't be shocked because he is a quarterback who is available and he may be the only one who you can get without having to do something crazy. Um, yeah. I and, mean, couldn't you, couldn't you see Mac Jones like being a, like a Philip Rivers type or, a, or, or, you right. know, like a Kirk cousins, like he's not a guy who can improvise, but he can have a long career and be really successful. I mean, what's right. really interesting is if you look at the numbers and just recently like cousins and Stafford and Derek Carr, they're, they're really similar. Um, but we think of Stafford in this whole nother tier, but in reality, right. like their play has been pretty similar. It's just a matter of reputation a lot of times. Um, yeah, that's kind of what fair. we remember. And, it's, it's that uh, vividness bias. That's what it is. Like you just remember the, the biggest moments, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And 
and and and one other thing I want to say on um on quarterback and mobility is I know that uh, we all have this idea that you know Scott Turner, Ron Rivera, like explicitly want or need a mobile quarterback, and that's mm-hmm. not true. I mean, for one, they obviously went after Matthew Stafford, and he's he's not he's more Aaron Rodgers, you know, mobility level. You know, he's not a stiff, but I think that they would love that. I think that would allow them to do more to have someone who could you know be a serious threat. But more than that, I think they need a guy who can protect themselves, can manipulate the pocket and can at least be a threat to keep the read option or the zone read for five yards. You know, like yes. he's not going to break it, but he may keep the ball. And if you, if you leave him completely alone, he'll get 10 or 15 before he awkwardly slides to the ground. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a narrative being pushed by the fan base that they want a mobile quarterback. I don't think, yeah. I think you're, I think you nailed it. I think that's, that might be true to a degree, but uh, I think there's not excluding guys. Yeah, exactly. They're not like excluding guys. Cause like, yeah, Stafford isn't mobile. And also when you talk about mobile quarterbacks, think about all the quarterbacks in DC. Like you have Robert Griffin, the third got injured. <laughs> you have Alex Smith got injured. You right. have Kyle Allen also got injured. Taylor right. Heineke also got injured. So there, there's a, there's a pattern with mobile quarterbacks that, you know, trust me, I love, no one loves dual threat quarterbacks no, more than me as like, I'm a, I'm a sicko and I have like 10 or 11 dynasty teams. And I just, that's all I care about is like mobile <laughs> quarterbacks because they're just, they're a cheat code in, in fantasy football. So I, right, I love yeah. it, but it is really hard to find a dual threat guy. Like, a, like I, it's, you, you, you're really looking for more like a Dak, right? Like Dak can take off sometimes and he is pretty athletic, but that's not really his game. He's just, right, it's another right. element you can add in there. Like if it's, if, if the window is there and it's third and 11 and you can take off and you can at least, you can get the first or make it shorter than, yeah. I, I don't want like yeah. Tom Brady's level of oh mobility. That just doesn't work anymore. No one comes out that unathletic and has that level of success now mac jones is not that bad he's not no, tom brady he, peyton manning bad they said uh i listened to a few podcasts and they said on the second or third day of practice because i i obviously wasn't there and i'll have to ask uh berg network uh josh he actually went to it so i'm at and he's a big alabama yeah. fan so i'm sure he's going to be like very non-biased when he gives me his answer but uh <laughs> but he said there were a few plays where mac jones took off in the red zone and just ran it in um and he he is pretty like he has really good pocket awareness so he can buy time in the pocket and what i really right. like about him is unlike Dwayne haskins he'll sit in the pocket till the last moment and deliver right. a strike because he knows he's going to get hit but he also knows he's not mobile enough to get away so he's prepared for that and his big old that's body huge. can take the abuse so i mean that's, that's... big that was one of Dwayne Haskins' big problems is thinking he was, you know, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and yes. finding out he was actually, actually kind of like Tom Brady. Um, so is he more I mean, mobile? Is he more mobile than this, um, than Dwayne? Dwayne? I don't see. Okay, yeah. I, I'll go. Wow, I would say. Here's what I'm gonna say. Oh. I don't. I don't think he's particularly more mobile, but I think he knows how to use the little mobility that he has much, much better than Dwayne. Does yeah, that makes sense. His pocket awareness, his pocket awareness is much better. Like way night and day from Dwayne yeah. in college, the things he struggled with in the pros, he struggled with in college. It just transferred right. over. Like it was all right. the same stuff, all the same knocks. They just like amplified in the NFL, which which yeah. sucks. I mean, I really like the guy. I wish it had worked out, but it is yeah. what it is. And like like Dwayne's mobility again, like when he ran, like sometimes he didn't look crazy slow. Again, Tom Brady. Uh, but it was it was that lots of times when he ran, he shouldn't have, you know, or he ran straight into a sack. I think Mac has a similar level where he can do the the positive runs that Dwayne did, but the negative ones won't happen as much because he'll stand in there and throw the ball, or you know, he'll just make a play with his mind and his arm before trying to go to his leg. Um and then um, just to completely debunk the mobility thing from Ron Rivera, he specifically said Philip Rivers ran this offense. He said we don't need that. So again, I'm just saying I'd get comfortable with it. And and I haven't I've I've watched all of Mac Jones games now. I need to I want I'm gonna go back and watch all of them and and you know tweet some stuff that's gonna make people mad. But uh, people just need to get comfortable with that idea. Um, but I mean I'm just saying Matthew Stafford's gone. I would I'm acting as though Deshaun Watson is just not an option. Right. Because right. I just I don't think he's traded. If he is Washington, he well, he has the one to come here and then Washington doesn't have a lot to offer. Or if they do, it's going to be a lot more than some other teams would. Mm-hmm. So that's tough. Dak, I'm not viewing as an option. I, I think there's a slight chance the Cowboys screw it up, but I don't <laughs> think that they're going to screw it up. Right. Like there's right. no way they're that dumb. Uh, they have the 10th pick, maybe if they had the third. So outside of those three, 
You're looking at, you know, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, who we don't know if they'll be available either. Jameis Winston, who we don't know if he'll be available. So at that point, you're looking draft. And when you look draft, we can look at all the other guys and that'll be fun. And maybe they trade up and I hope they do. But if not, Mac Jones may be sitting there for you. And he may be, you know, a question that could at least half answer uh, or an answer to half of your question. Uh, that's that's my take on where we are, where things stand on what what is it, February first. That's my take on where things stand at quarterback on February first for this team. Uh, feel free to go ahead if y'all want. Go ahead, go ahead, Nate. Sorry, real real quick, I was gonna say like, did we just like turn into like a Mac Jones like hive? Because like I feel I like so. we might be the only people like in all of like Washington fandom that like I'm not saying I'm, I'm like okay for with the it. idea. Yeah, we're we're not like opposed. We're not to the we're not rooting for it, but we're saying if it no. happens, we're not going to be up in arms. No, exa- exactly. Exactly. I, mean, play. I just I I take a Bayesian uh, approach to like how I view football. What I mean by that is like I'm always open to new information, and I'm mm-hmm. open to changing my hypothesis and changing how I feel depending right. on the most information I get. And right, I mean it, Mac Jones seems uh it, it's down there. I mean it's like Tay said, yeah. it might be option like E or some or Z or yeah. something like that. But I mean I'm not I'm not yeah. angry if we do it. I mean I'm not. Uh, I'm, you know I'm starting to warm up to him, man. You know because I'm just tired of inconsistent quarterback play like I want consistent and he is I think he represents consistency you know what you're going to get I mean consistency the question for him I think it's a good point today is consistency the question is at what level but I think that's a good point go ahead you know and and I just get tired of guys coming in you know they have a good game oh one good game and then they have two bad games and you got two good games and you got five bad games no I'm I'm tired (laughs) give me someone who's consistent and that knows how to get the ball around that's going to study that knows the offense. And, and, and like Nate said, if you get some weapons around Mac Jones, I think he can surprise a lot of people. I think he'll be good if he goes into the right situation. I truly do. Yeah. yeah. And that right situation might be so. Uh, it could I, be. It very well I'm could saying, be. Warm up to it. I, I, Mac Jones, a lot of the opinion out there, I think, is has very little to do with people that have actually watched him play and more to do with just preconceived notions that they have. Yes. But I think all quarterbacks – Mac Jones had great talent around him. Justin Fields had great talent around him. Trevor Lawrence had great talent around him. Uh, Zach Wilson had better talent than the teams he was playing around him. Trey Lance had better talent than the teams he was playing around him. So that argument, yeah, I know they don't all have two first-round wide receivers and a first-round running back, but they all were playing with better talent than the teams they were playing against on Uh, most games. that's, That's accurate, right? Very yeah, um, no, that's 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 a common trend, right? I mean, even like going down to like someone like Kyle Trask, I mean, he's playing with a first round tight end, he's playing with a potential a first potential round first receiver, receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's a they, they get and like Trey Lancer talking about like man, they're like the Alabama of Division three. So yeah, they have better they prospects really are. than everyone else. They've won like a hundred championships in the last ten years. Like they get <laughs> yeah, that's not even hyper a year. Like, literally, they were <laughs> seriously. So good. They won like three per year. <laughs> <laughs> Serious, seriously. Right. Uh, yeah, I I feel like I had one last thing, but I'll just let it slide. I think I think if they were to come away with a slight move back and then and then him I, and then you've got, you know, an extra pick and the two or three that that'd be phenomenal. I, I, I tweeted that it was based on a trade from 2017 or 18 where. Uh, the Packers and the Seahawks, I can't remember. Anyway, the 27th team traded up to 18, and then it was essentially for a third. There was a couple late-round picks added on at the end, but it was essentially they got an additional third, and some people were saying, I'd want more than a third because we're getting Mac Jones, and it's they're not going to give you value based on the player that you may potentially later <laughs> pick. <laughs> they're going to give you value based on the pick, right? So if that were to happen, it, it seemed, it'd probably be like a third-round pick. Um If you love a good chicken sandwich, you have to go to Hot Chicken Kitchen in Woodbridge, Virginia. They are a minority-owned, veteran-owned small business, and they've brought Nashville-style hot chicken to the D.C. area. Their chicken sandwich is one of the best you'll ever have, and you can't get it anywhere else. Hot Chicken Kitchen in Woodbridge, Virginia. Look them up. Try it out. You won't regret it. So, speaking of Mac Jones and Senior Bowl, uh, that can segue us into Nate. You can give us your thoughts on what you observed from the senior bowl and drop some names for us to keep an eye on. 
Yeah. So, so the senior bowl is huge this year. Um, it's become bigger every year, but this year, especially since there's no real legit combine and teams can't meet players in right. person one-on-one right. other than a zoom. And trust me on a zoom, you can't always get the full measure of a person. Like you, you really have to dig deep. You're, I mean, you're going to be talking to like junior high janitors to get a scoop on some of these players. Cause you really don't know that much. Um, but so, so the senior bowl is going to be big. And the other thing I want to emphasize is like in the senior bowl, there's like three days of practice, uh, you know, and then they have the actual game. So the, but from a scouting point of view, like most scouts really focus on the practice, the interviews, the medicals, and then like the weigh-ins, you know, stuff like that. They don't know about the actual game, but I feel like fans care a lot more about the game. Um, but, but anyway, yeah. So, so a few, uh, a few prospects, there's obviously a lot of big key names there, but I mean, a few of the big ones that stood out, um, first and foremost, I have to talk about Quinn Miners. and you're asking yourself, who the hell is that? I was asking my same question like a week ago, um, but I had to look him up. So, so Quinn Miners, he played center at Wisconsin Whitewater. I've never heard of that school. I I had to look at it. I was like, that's not a thing. That's not real. Wisconsin Whitewater. Wisconsin Whitewater. Exactly. Wow. He was invited at the last minute because uh, Dickerson, the center for Alabama, he couldn't go to the senior bowl because he like hurt his ACL. Um, so Quinn Miners was a last minute invite accepted. This is a dude, just imagine like a mountain man who like trains in the wilderness. Uh, this dude just like trains. He, he trains in the uh, forest all day. Like he looks like a lumberjack and he has a big beer gut. Like it's amazing. Like he's like every man, you know? Uh, and, and people weren't expecting this guy. They were expecting him to be the worst player there. Well, it turns out he was the best offensive lineman uh, out of anybody there. He stood out in every single practice. He was just destroying people left and right. Wow. And it's like a legend writes itself by day three. They're talking about this guy as a potentially top 50 pick. And for some frame of reference, he was wow. maybe a six or seven, seventh round projection before that. Um, and then on day three of practice, this guy breaks part of his hand. By the way, that hand was his right hand, which he uses to, you know, snap the football because he's a center. Um, guess what? Stop him from playing. He's still in the game. This dude is just it's like a legend. And that's, I, you guys got to say something that's about incredible. that. I mean, that is, what's, that's what's crazy. His name? What's his name? Quinn, Quinn Miners. Um, he, he's a, Miners. he's a center from Wisconsin Whitewater, but wow. he'll probably be like a guard in the NFL. But yeah. you're talking about like, you got to, I'm calling him Mr. Moneybags, dude. Cause he's going from like a sixth or seventh round contract to a day two pick. I mean, he's, he's going to make someone happy. And it's interesting wow. that the bucks have a few guys like that, who like Marpet, who, oh, who yeah. played at a tiny school that no one had heard about. And yeah. now he's one of the best players in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens. I feel like offensive line is one of those positions where you can really find that value from small schools Guys, we get a chance who are just built different because he's training in the forest, yeah, play through yeah. broken hands. You know, those. I tell you what, I. I mean, why, why, why put him in day two? Let's just take him at nineteen. Dude, he had, you know, how Zeke wears the uniform and his belly's always hanging mm-hmm. out, but like obviously he he's like a freak yes. athlete and has like a six pack. Yeah. This dude wore like the same size, like like armor, you know, and he was just <laughs> midriff the whole time, and it was just wow. like a big old beer belly. But yeah, I mean, different. he. Yeah, he's different, but yeah, I want my nasty. offensive lineman. I want my linemen to be different. I want yeah. them to be built. Comp- yeah. I want them to be crazy. <laughs> no, I, yeah, like Brandon Scherf. They're like, hey, did you see this report recently on Twitter? And he's like, I don't know what Twitter is. You right, want guys right. like that. Yeah, I was duck hunting. <laughs> I was duck hunting. Yeah, I love that about. I love that about Brandon. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, okay, I, you got to tell me his name one more time. I remember the Wisconsin Whitewater. I cannot remember his name. Say it again so the, for me one the, more time. What's more funny is like you're not alone. Like the <laughs> scouts there, I heard, didn't know his name and we're just calling him Whitewater. Whitewater. <laughs> his, his name is Quinn Miners. Um, okay, it sounds Miners, like a Miners. B-list celebrity like actress or something. But... <laughs> <laughs> you probably have to uh, you probably have to go to Wisconsin Whitewater in person and dig through their their database there file cabinets to find the film on him i bet and yeah, pull there's out the no all, tapes. yeah no all 22 of that guy no no, no breakdown no. clips on youtube what you see is what you get yeah hell yeah <laughs> okay all right that's that's a gem thanks for sharing that what uh what you got yeah yeah so outside of that obviously like we're, we're talking about you know my big thing is like i love skill positions that's kind of my bread and butter i feel the most comfortable same, evaluating same. them 
Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you guys are in the same boat because it feels like we never have any, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, right. So, so there are a few, uh, there are a few standouts. I mean, this, this is one of the deeper wide receiver classes we've seen in the past, probably 10 years. And I know you hear that every, every year. So it's kind of hyperbolic, but for real, this is, this is a very deep class. Uh, a big standout was Dwayne Eskridge. He's a receiver out of Michigan. Right. Um, he, he was expected to be like a day three guy. Uh, he's five, nine plays in the slot, but uh, is like an Olympic track star can run like a mm. four, three projected. Um, and that was like before now. So I'm like, he can probably run that maybe a four, three flat, something crazy like that. But mm. uh, they said he couldn't be stopped in one-on-one -on -one drills. Um, he beat everyone he went up against. Uh, he he was so good. He, he, he's basically probably going to be like a top 60, top 70 pick. He's going to go on day two, probably round three, round two, but he's a guy who can play inside out um, just electric sp speed. If you watch him at Western Michigan, like, I mean, he just runs away from everyone. Like it's, it's, it's remember, remember like Marco Mitchell when he was like a, a draft prospect I, for Marco the, T Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. And it was kind of like, when you watched him, it's like, man, this guy just, and I don't want to say that. Cause like, it's not a, that guy was like a seventh round pick or whatever, but <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Just like right. I, I, he really stands out when you watch the film, but that that's one guy that they kept talking about. And I mean, my big red flag for him is like, he's a fifth year senior and for almost any position, like I want guys who break out at a really young age. Like I want 18 year olds and 19 year olds who are beating up on 20, 20, 21 year olds, you know, when they're playing yeah. in college, that, that is so translatable to the pros. Cause it's the same way. That's what, that's what like Jefferson did. That's, that's what, uh, you know, the best receivers are doing. That's what T Higgins did. They, they beat up against older cornerbacks when they were young. And, and that's something that's why, that's why I hate Kadarius Tony as a first round pick I, I think that he's another guy at the senior bowl he's elect think of uh that some people are comparing him to like tyree kill but he really he's just like a he's a weapon that's kind of I, I i see him a little bit like curtis samuel in that um but he was a Got wide him. receiver out of florida who who didn't think until his senior year and then he just like went off at over like 900 receiving yards like 10 touchdowns i think and he he set the world on fire but they're talking about him going to washington he's getting mocked i saw that was uh that was daniel jeremiah's first mock i think had him going yeah. here yeah. yeah yeah so and he's he's exciting like I, I totally get it he's explosive but like again man you don't want a, a guy who takes until his senior year to break out that is a huge red flag right and then on top of that he had a bunch of off the field issues and and i know like i don't buy into a lot of that stuff too much like i, I kind of roll my eyes when when they talk about character sometimes but i guess like maybe I shouldn't do that. Cause like we've seen a lot of instances where that's, that's a big deal, but he got in trouble once for uh, driving and he had like a assault rifle in the back seat um, when he got pulled over in Florida. Uh, he got in trouble. <laughs> he didn't get arrested for that though, because I guess where he was, it's, it's legal or they Florida. let him off the hook. I don't know. Florida man. I'm not saying like, he's a bad dude either. Like uh, right, from what right. I read, like they were having issues with players getting in fights with like some of the local residents and I have no idea. Like I, I didn't look into it that much, but I don't know. Like, Hey, maybe he just wanted to protect himself. But I mean, there, there are more than <laughs> yeah. one instance of that. If you go look at his track record and that's something that no one is really talking about, but I mean, I feel like that's kind of valid to at least look into. Right. Right. No, I mean, that's a fair point. Um, and I mean, it, that does kind of make it surprising to me that he is, you know, being talked about as a first round guy because this class is so deep and you have so many guys, I, I feel like I see him as more of a – I feel like I see him going early day two. I feel like 19 is a bit of a, a reach on both ends, on the on the, pro, the projection end, and then on the reality end, I think 19 is is higher than he'll end up going. But um, And I know one thing I've seen on some of him is, is for his size and his speed, he also plays pretty physically, which is, you know, yeah. cool to see also. His, uh, his start-stop is pretty crazy. It's a, yeah. It reminds me a little bit – and this isn't like a direct comp. I'm just saying like stylistically. It reminds me a little bit of like uh, Dante Hall, when the kick returner from the Chiefs mm. back in the day. The way he yeah. could just like run, you know, 4-3 speed and just stop on a dime in reverse field. Tony can do a lot of that. Um, but he's not a nuanced route runner. Uh, he – and that doesn't really, that's not that important, man. Like you, you want to be a freak athlete. You want to get drafted early. You want to break out at an early age. You don't want any character red flags. Like those are the things I look for, for receiver. And Tony checks a lot of those boxes, but I mean, there's so many other receivers, like he would probably be wide receiver seven or eight on my list from what, I, from the research I've done so far. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't want to take him at pick 19. 
Okay. Now let me ask you how you stack up Amari Rogers next to Kadarius Tony. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great uh, comparison because they're kind of similar players, but you can draft Amari Rogers in like round three and he right. does all the same things pretty much. Like maybe he's not the freak athlete that Tony is, but I mean, he's a slot player and, and that's what we need. We need a slot player who's explosive, who's sure handed, who can run routes and was productive in college. And he checks all those boxes. And um, there's, there's a lot of guys like that, man, like Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. This, you got to look up Elijah Moore, just like after this, look up his stats. Um, this guy is like Jamison Crowder, but like with video game stats, like he's just, and that's in the sec. Like he just tore it up. He's just like this little slot receiver. He's like five foot nine, but he's a little bulldog and he just catches everything and runs through people and just uh, a lot like uh, Jarvis Landry. Actually, that's, that's probably a good yeah, right there. Um, yeah. Wide receiver is my, yeah, so. my favorite. And the one where I feel I can trust myself most, I'm going to get through this list of guys for sure. As draft season rolls on. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, receiver is really hard with people because they don't – I don't know. There's so many receivers, and you just watch highlights, and you get <laughs> you get obsessed with, like, someone running for a big play or, you know, a, a, a huge touchdown score. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, receiver yeah. is actually simpler than that. If You just got to check some boxes, and you check those boxes, man. Like, I'm, I'm, let's do it. Like, let's go. But I, I just – like, Tony, I'm very hesitant about him, man. I would have – if I had to rank them real quick, I would have – I would have, like, Chase, Waddle – you know, obviously Smith, and then you get into like Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, uh, Tywin Wallace, Elijah Moore. Yeah, I mean, Tony, I wouldn't take any – I would take Tony after all those guys. So, yeah, definitely a second rounder yeah, like you were saying. Okay. What about that corner from uh, Oklahoma? I've been hearing people talking about – Oh, yeah, shoot. I just forgot his – I forgot his name. I, I, I know you're talking <laughs> about. I watched – I just watched him play the other day. Yeah, he – oh, man, I got to look that up. Hold on. <laughs> Keep talking. I'll find it. Yeah, we'll, we'll find it. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard that he was playing lights out. And I know corner is a need, you know, with Ronald Darby potentially. What'd you say, Todd? Oh, oh no, no, no. Go ahead. Talk about Ronald Darby. Oh. Yeah, Ronald Darby might. I mean, they're saying that he is possible that we may not sign him back or he may have more um, more suitors. So, obviously, we need to definitely look into the cornerback position. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so, and the so, I totally agree with that. I, yeah, I was I was gonna say I found him. Sorry, uh, it, Trey Brown is that who there you were you talking go. about? Yep, yep. Yeah, Trey Brown. Trey Brown was a man. He was like a like a demon though. The whole practice, like there there are notes about him over and over, just like disrupting passes, being physical. Like, and, and here's the thing about like practice. You guys know this. I, I don't know if you guys played played football. I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it though. Like those wide receiver and cornerback drills are so skewed towards the receiver. They absolutely that, are. Like, if if you don't see the re- they totally are. Like if the receiver doesn't win, there's a big issue. Like if the cornerback can just stay with the receiver, I'm like looking at the cornerback over the receiver. Cause it's, you have the entire field. Like if you got, you guys have played before, you know, you play in the backyard. Yeah, right. like, it's never that simple where you just have a cornerback one-on-one. You don't have to worry about like the mm-hmm. linebacker hitting you or the safety. Right, or, right. You know, you, you don't have to read coverage. It's just like, Hey, get open. <laughs> like, no down in distance to account hard. for. So, like, yeah. Totally, man. You, you nailed it. But yeah, Trey Brown was a big time, uh, big time standout for me. Uh, another guy, another guy I really liked was, uh, well, I mean, the biggest guy, Richie Grant was like the savior of the senior bowl, right? They call him Richie Rich because this dude was going into the draft as maybe a third round pick. But he was making interceptions in practice, which is hard to do, like, first of all, because it's geared towards the offense. But um, yeah, Richie Grant is a safety out of UCF. Um, he tore it up the entire senior bowl practice. He was uh Dane Brugler's like rising star before the senior bowl. And wow. afterwards they're, they're calling him Richie rich. Cause he's about to go early round two, top 50 and he's going to make mm. himself some money. Um, but when I think of him, I just think of a uh, cerebral, you know, like very smart, intelligent player. Uh, I, I listened to an inter- I'm a sicko. I listened to an interview with his defensive back coach, just, you know, just to get a glimpse into what kind of person he is. And he's just <laughs> right. like, you know, obviously a, he's a terrific person on and off the field, but he's cerebral. He, he understands all the different schemes out there. Cause he's yeah. played for so long and he, but like with, with that cerebral element, he also is like instinctual in the sense he can react quickly and, and make plays, but he's the captain of the defense on UCF and UCF has more than one pro on it. They have a, I think Aaron Robinson is a, their cornerback. He should go like maybe like day two as well. He's another lengthy guy who was a recruit at Alabama. I think he was a former four-star recruit at Alabama, but 
Aaron Robinson was the cornerback from UCF. So they had him and Richie Grant. Both those guys could be day two picks, and they both stood out the senior bowl as well. That's the, the senior bowl, when you talk about guys who rise at the senior bowl, like that happens every year. You know, like every year there are guys who show up and, and they practice well, like we said, more than they play well, and they impress in the interviews, which is a big part of that. And then they get drafted much higher than they were going to going into that week. And lots of those guys have lots of success. Um, and all throughout the week, the senior bowl, they're always showing guys who came through the senior bowl and who have had gotten uh, who have gone through to have success. I, I don't have a list in front of me, but uh, like there's a lot of stock into guys who perform well at the senior bowl. Obviously it's not 100%, but there's a lot of stock into that. Terry McLaurin. <laughs> yep. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, look Cooper at Cope, Terry too. McLaurin. I mean, there, there's so every year there's like two or three risers and it just seems like, I, I think part of it is these scouting staffs get to see the players, not just like their play on the field, but they see if they're coachable, they see if they have like an right. attitude problem or if they're, you know, the, the center of like attention, like some players, like, like they just don't seem like they're that into it. They don't love the game. And you can tell just watching a practice. Some of these guys though, they have so much energy. They feed off of their teammates. They love the game and coaches like love that cliche football you know, jargon. Like I might not care about it <laughs> right. as much, but like, it's real, man. Like they care about that stuff and it matters. And, and I saw, uh, was it Matt rule? Like he brought everyone together before one of the practices. And I love, I love what he said. He, he was like, everyone come in here. And he's like, there's a difference between you just saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That doesn't mean you're coachable. The difference is you listen to what I say and you're talking, it's a two way conversation. And then you apply what I told you on the field, you know, like just saying, yes, sir. That's not being accountable. That's just showing like you are accountable. So there's a big difference. And some of those younger players like don't get that but like guys like Richie Grant those senior junior defensive backs like they understand how it works and they get it yeah uh, and speaking of Matt Rule and, and and this coaching staffs that are there all week I mean Matt Rule and his staff's been all week there with Mac Jones right he was on he was on his team <laughs> right yeah so yeah, uh, I, th- you know? I think I think he was <laughs> um I mean either way he he Hey, there you go. I, I didn't even think about that. I mean, there's a lot of directions they could go. I mean, I don't, yeah. I know they weren't infatuated with Teddy Bridgewater. That's, that's what I've right. read. Yeah. No, he's not an infatuating player. Nice guy though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he seems but, like an awesome dude, but yeah, he didn't play that well. <laughs> I could definitely see, a, you know, someone in the top 10 feeling like they could make a move later in the first round and, and, and get Mac Jones and just the team kind of falling in love with him. Uh, but are there any other guys you want to touch on from the senior bowl? I think I, I, I wax poetic enough about the senior bowl, but uh, just remember Quinn miners and a uh, lumberjack working out in the yes. woods, lifting up trees and having yes. a big beer gut. That's, that's what you need to take away. <laughs> I'm going to be watching that. Cause I, the way you've described you, if you were a salesman trying to say, trying to sell me an offensive lineman, I, I'm, I'm sold. Uh, so and that's, that's a position where you still need to address it. You still need to add depth, especially if you're trying to add a quarterback. So, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. Miners in Wisconsin, Whitewater. Uh, Okay, so, and one last question after both of you touching on offensive line. Where are you standing on a Brandon Sheriff extension, uh, Tay? Uh, You know, I think you – I mean, why extend him when you can, you know, draft Whitewater? I know. (laughs) I think – I think you pass and you draft one, honestly. I think you could – I mean, as much as much as you you like them and that consistency and continuity, um, uh, maybe you franchise them. We're talking them. about, what, $15 million a year probably? You think maybe, something like that, maybe, right? Maybe you franchise them and you get his air, his air replacement this year. That way next year you let him walk, something like that. I, I don't want to – I mean, he's getting pretty older and – Injury he's 29, bro. which I did not realize. 29? Right, Nate? Right? Yeah, he's 29. That, that was something uh, my buddy Steve Draft on Twitter was. Yes. Uh, he pointed that out to me. I'm like, there's no way. I thought he was There's like no way. I yeah, he was like he's, he's older. <laughs> 32. <laughs> he looks like, yeah, he looks like he's 40 or something. He looks old. He does. I think you give him a four-year deal then. I mean, if he's 29, he got at least a, a good three more, three or four more years, I think. You give him a four-year, like $60 million deal? I think so. You let him finish the contract with Ron's tenure, at okay. least his first tenure. Nate? Yeah, I think continuity is something 
it's, you can't stress enough how important continuity is for the offensive line. Um, that being said, 15 million is a lot to give to a position that I don't consider that important. No offense to Quinn Miners. Uh, so 15, 15 mil is a lot to give him and that's yeah. what he's going to get. So don't, don't think he'll get less than that. Um, just right. from, from what I've read, but uh, yeah, I I'm kind of indifferent, right? If they do it, I'll be happy. I really like the guy, but if they don't do it, it probably frees up some more room and we're going to, we're going to need some extra room to you we'll know, get stay afloat with the, yeah, with the cap going down. So you never really know. Yeah. yeah that's i'm kind of where you are too. too yeah i mean the, the comp you don't pick make is any something. big signings uh yeah in free agency because it kind of balance it it, it can a certain signings can negate comp picks right okay. yeah it just depends what we do in free agency like who knows everyone thinks we're gonna sign like everyone thinks we're gonna sign like alan robinson and chris godwin <laughs> and kenny galladay <laughs> and will fuller and juju it's like right. dude none of these guys want to come here let me just yeah. tell let me be the first one to tell you that like they are not interested unless you can totally just overpay them yeah, yeah. um i'm kind of i'm kind of with you nate on on sheriff i'm i'm i won't be mad if they do but if they don't i also won't be mad I, he's i think that brandon sheriff he was an all pro this year. First, first one for Washington in over 20 years since like 96 yeah. or 97. I know he was good this year. He was, he was very good. I, I don't necessarily know if he played at an all pro level, but I think he's earned enough respect to have received enough votes to be selected as first team all pro. Uh, and that's, I mean, if you, I don't know if you want to comment on that, but uh, 15 million a year for me, a lot of it is injury concerns and just, I think that's legitimate because we're talking about three years in a row this year, it ended up coming back sooner, but it's always, a, it's always a, a, a risk that you take with any player, but you give him 15 million a year, four years, four years, 60 million. And then, you know, week three, 2021, he's out for nine weeks, you know, and it's just, so that's why I wouldn't be upset about it. Also, I think it is a position where second, third, fourth or free agency, you could find someone in free agency, maybe at half the price or a young guy at much less of a price who could play probably not at Brandon Sheriff's level, but probably at a level that would be good enough. That's worth not having paid the money. So that's kind of where I'm at. Look at, uh, so, so first look at like flowers last year and obviously you had Bill Callahan, but you had flowers do that. And then this year, Schweitz thing. Right. And then also Lucas kind of came out of nowhere. So they've shown their offensive line coach. I forgot his last name, but this dude is like unheralded Bill Callahan. Like he has over 40 years of coaching just offensive linemen. Uh, He's he's done a good job with the group. I mean, that's, you can't overlook that. Is it Forrester? Yeah. Well, is it Forrester? Forrester? I can't remember. Is that a, is that one of the old ones? Is it the old one? That's the one. The... Yeah, I Hold think on. that's um. That's I think Rune's that's guy. um. I think that's uh. That might be uh Mike Shanahan's guy. You think you're right? Let me. I'm pulling the offensive line coach. Oh, it's John. Uh, it's John Matsko. Masco. That's who I was thinking. That's 28 years of experience. But that's 29 years in the NFL. He coached like I don't know why I know this. I'm just like sicko but like he coached like in college for another like 10 or 15 years too like wow. dude is gonna he's been coaching forever like he's he came out of the womb just like with a with a uh a whistle on and like a, a coaching shirt and some guys are just built like that they really are just built yeah. like they are meant to be coaches they live the yeah. lifestyle yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. yes uh and i so to 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 that point as well i i am confident that I mean, even Wes Schweitzer was brought in and he wasn't expected to necessarily. I mean, I don't know. He was he was you know expected to compete at least, but come in and, and he played again, not at Brandon Sheriff's level, but you paid him a lot less than you're looking at paying Brandon Sheriff. So yeah. I feel like you could bring in a guy again, free agency or draft who could come in and play at a maybe eight or nine or ten million dollar level for two or three million, you know, so. Right. Anyway, yeah. because for Brandon Sheriff, I don't know if he's playing at a $15 million level. He may be playing at a 10. So I don't know. Whatever, whatever. We'll see what happens. But along with quarterback, there's just some other little things to discuss that we'll try to touch on. Um, that's all I've got for today, though. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add uh, about quarterback, about senior bowl, about anything else. No, I'm just looking forward to this press conference on Wednesday. So that's going to be telling, I think. And I'm looking to see how they respond. 
Um, they're definitely going to be asked quarterback questions a yeah, lot, probably. They definitely yeah. will. So, hey, caveat, caveat on that meeting. I want to see it like stepbrother style, like Martin and Martin, where they like one's behind, right behind the each other, other. Yeah, and they just answer questions like, "Hey, pretty lady," you know, like, that would be amazing. That would be pretty amazing. Wearing the exact <laughs> be, same outfit. Yeah. To be fair, Mar- Martin Herney probably doesn't even know what stepbrothers is. He's like, "What? What is? It? Who's no, a stepbrother?" Not. Definitely not. I just want to coach football. I love him. I love him. He's, he's <laughs> right. a football guy. They they're just football guys and i love it yeah yeah they've got uh you know i i, I it, it'll be exciting to see what decisions they make and uh, short of a couple everyone's going to question question what they do so you know i'm just going to wait and see how things turn out uh once the games begin but yeah wednesday and then the, just the the chance of us having to sit through this quarterback conversation for the next three months i'm not gonna lie is kind of exhausting yeah. You know, but yeah. hey, it'll give us something to talk and think about for the next three months, even though it's going to drive us kind of crazy at the same time. All right. Oh, yeah. Every episode. Uh, <laughs> but OK, well, thank you for listening again. Hot Chicken Kitchen. This this hour or so is brought to you by them. Check them out in Woodbridge, Virginia. Thank you, Nate, again, for joining us as always. Love your smart and, and just well-informed and balanced take and account on things. So. Thank you for joining us. I know we'll be talking to you again soon. And uh, yeah, that's all we've got for today. So this is Todd. This is Tay. We'll talk to you later. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.